A good dinner of Shabbos, Parshas B'Shalach. Hope you're doing well. I hope you had a wonderful week. This week's shir is sponsored by Ari and Miriam Zaltz of Wesley Hills, New York. The Uli Nishmas Fago Basavram Bonim. A tremendous thanks to our corporate sponsors, Meridian Senior Health, Bluestone Brokerage, and the Hassan Zaltz Law Firm. For future dedications to sponsor a shir, to sponsor a publication, please reach out to 845-367-2959. We really can't bear it any longer, but unfortunately, Gzer Shemaim has it. We have no choice, and the war persists. Our endurance is waning, and our spirits are literally crushed, and all that remains is hope. The mourning, the pain, and anguish that we've witnessed this past week is unparalleled. Rahman al-Itzlan. It's intensifying. There's no words to explain, to convey, or to comprehend the magnitude of tragedy that we're going through collectively as a nation, as a people, as Klal Yisrael, with the falling of 24 Hidgen Hashamas, Hashem Yinkan At the same time, we know the Gemara tells us, that everything Hashem does is for the best. And we're supposed to feel it. We're supposed to feel the Gamza Latayv acknowledging that even in this dark, eerie, bleak time where seemingly there's no hope, there's no happiness, there's nothing to rejoice or see the good in. Nevertheless, Gamzu Lutayva, this as well as good. Kolman da Avrachman Latavavid, even this is included in that mandate. Ravchatsko Bramsky, the venerated Mashkiach of both Panovich and the Mir, relates in Isaif Oricheska the following dialogue that he had with a Bakr in Yeshiva. The Bakr approached the Mashkiach and asked him, I don't understand. Why is it that the Mashkiach gives Shmuzin and Vadim about the importance of Amunan Bitachan? We know it, we've heard it, it's basic. We're maminim b'nei maminim. We're a nation of believers. So mashgiach, kvayda rav. It's enough, we've heard enough. Let's move on to other things. We already know we're supposed to have amuna. we're supposed to have bitachin, we know it's all for the best. Why must we keep hearing the same yisoydis, the same things over and over? To which mashgiach answered that real amuna is supposed to bring us to Yira, Tira Shamayim, to the fear of heaven. And any amuna that does not bring us there is not considered amuna at all. And therefore, said the Mashkiach, as we get older, as we advance, as we elevate and get closer and older in our Yerushalayim and our Avodah, in our age, with that comes along the responsibility of more Yerushalayim. So the Yerushalayim that we had a year ago, two years ago, or what we had in Cheder, in school, as children, hopefully that has grown over time, that has been nurtured, and it's a very different, much more significant amount of Yerushalayim that we had when we were children, or a year ago. Hopefully. And therefore, respectively, we need to increase our Muna constantly as well. Therefore, while there are many different places we can gain Chizik and Yisoydis in this Parsha, especially Kriyas Yamsuf, I would like to focus on the Mon, something which we can gain a tremendous amount of Chizik in our Muna and our Bitachin, something that perpetually needs Chizik, encouragement, always returning to the roots and the source of our foundation, of our being which can hopefully give us just a drop of chizik, especially through the rough, tumultuous time that we've gone through this week with the falling of Rahman al-Zlan, 24 Heligan Nishamas, 24 soldiers, fighting for their people, fighting for us. The opening pasuk to the parsha of Mon is, Vayim Hashem Moshe. Hashem said to Moshe, Hinini mamte lechem lechem in Hashemayim. I will rain down bread for you from the sky. And the people shall go out and gather each day that day's portion. That I may thus test them to see whether they will follow my instructions or not. Now what's very interesting is that over here we encounter a unique stipulation from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is the only instance in the entire Torah where there's a collective national test on a sign for the entire Klal Yisrael. 
where Hashem says, Lema'an anasenu, I'm here to test you all. And besides this interesting phenomena, this one-time collective nisayin for all of Klal Yisrael, we also have to understand, what was the great test of the man? Lema'an anasenu was telling us that there was a nisayin that was present, a nisayin that they had to face, that they had to overcome. But if the man just hailed, rained endlessly from Shemayim, or even if it came once a day, but they knew it was coming. They knew they would be nourished. It would taste like whatever they want. It tastes like pizza. It would taste like chocolate. Taste like a meat board. So what was the greatness sign? It seems pretty great. They didn't have to work for it. There was no, there was no all of Parnasa. There was no Bezeh Sapecha. That curse was alleviated for the time in the Midbar. So what was this Lamana Nasenu? What was the greatness sign? What was the challenge of the Mun? And particularly over here, from all instances in the Torah, Hashem says, I'm testing you with this, as if this is the greatest test ever to be. Addressing this question, the Ramban explains, So that I can test them whether they will follow my teaching or not. Ramban says, It was a test that they would not have a reserve of food in their possession. And they would not see for themselves any plan for obtaining food in the wilderness other than the man. They never heard of this thing. They have no previous knowledge. They know what to confide with, to ask what's going to be. They never heard from their forebears. Says the Ramban, the greatness sign was that they had to wait for each day's portion to come on its day, only one day's worth at a time, and they would hunger for it. And despite all of this, they heeded Hashem's word and they followed Hashem in the Midbar, which was not a place of bread. What the Ramban is telling us is the man served as a trial evaluating whether Ka'isal would remain steadfast in their commitment to Bitachan, even despite the uncertainty they faced, and would determine if they could stand firm, even when there was no reserve, when there was no safety net to rely on, when there was no extra money in the bank, when there's no real estate properties that if everything else fell through, they would be able to rely on that. And despite their weary bodies and their rumbling stomachs and their hungry, crying children and fear of survival, the fear of death, the man challenged that bitachon. And although the man was undoubtedly a miracle, it was the tremendous nace, but as the Pasuk, as the Torah itself attests, it was a great Nisayan, the man on says the Ramban, it was an Nisayan to see how strong, how far would their bitachon be when all they had to rely on was only Hashem. What we take out of here says the Berucham Levavitz in Das Torah. The reason why Kal Yisrael needed this, this was a necessary preparation of Kal Yisrael before they were going to become the Amma Nivchar, before Kabbalah Satorah. The Berucham writes, the reason why Hashem fed Kal Yisrael the Mon throughout the 40 years in the Midbar was so that they understand that the bread in and of itself is not the source of life and abundance, but only the Ratzon Hashem is what provides, is what nourishes. And it is He who decrees and He who has the power to bestow life in whatever manner he wishes. So what Rabbi Rucham is telling us is that although the singular event of the miraculous arrival of the white, fine, wafer-tasting, flake-like substance was an isolated experience, nevertheless, the message, the limud, what we're supposed to extrapolate from the mon, is eternal, a timeless and enduring message, which is the message of Bitachin, that it's not up to us, it's not dependent on our shtadlus, it's not dependent on how much or how little we do, because ultimately it's all up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That was the message of the Mun. The Mun reminds us that even in times where there was no evidence, where there were no statistics, where there were no spreadsheets to look, 
at if it'll fall, how it'll fall. And while we were prohibited from trying to create any type of safety net, any type of reassurance, stash away for the future for a rainy day, put it in the bank account. Hashem wanted a pure connection with us where we had to come to Him in hunger, waiting and anticipating the man. And so too, Bizman in our times, the message is for our parnosa, whatever it is that we need, it doesn't really matter how much, how little, it doesn't matter the shtadlis, it's all about the gzeris hamakam, it's all about what Hashem decides. Now, for me to say this by myself may sound a little brazen, which is why I'm not saying it on my own accord, but I'm going to quote to you what the Alta from Kelm and the Briskorov address. After all that have been said, you might be thinking of a friend of yours who's a tremendous kvir, who's working 25 hours a day. And he seems to be crushing it. He's killing it. And we seemingly can attribute his success as a product of his hard work, of his ceaseless effort and ishtadlis. But both the Briskorov and the Alta from Kelm say that their success would be exactly the same even without their overexertion. And the Briskorov goes so far to say that these endeavors are a waste of time, squandering days and nights of futile pursuits. And he brings a proof because we encounter individuals we may perceive them as layitzlachs, as people who don't deserve to possess wealth and be rich, but somehow they make it, somehow they're there, they make it to the top. So the explanation is obviously that there's one Bashefer, there's only one place where the decisions are made, and that's in Shemaim, that's in the Bezdin Shalmailo, away from our persuasion, from our desires, from our wants, we can daven, but ultimately we can't manipulate, we can't change, because it's all what Hashem decides we need. And while one perspective to this reality Maybe a little unsettling. Maybe it's a little sharp. It stings a little bit. And we can say, how could it be? This can't be. Look around. Look at the world. Look at nature. Look how the world runs. Look at the stock market. Look at the world's billionaires. Look at Wall Street. Everyone's working so hard. That's one perspective. But unfortunately, as the Torah tells us, as Gedoli Rabbi Seinu unpack the words of the Torah, unpack the parsha of the Mon, they tell us otherwise. They tell us that we're Lamailam and Azman, we're Lamailam and Ateva, we operate differently, we're treated differently, we're elevated beyond the natural course of life. And instead of questioning this truth, instead we can react and say, Ashreinu Matav Chalkeinu, how fortunate are we to be the Amanivcha, the chosen nation. While this sounds like Chizik in Yanam of Parnosa, of Ishtadlos, of Amunam Bitachan, I believe we can expand, we can stretch it to the current situation we're going through now. These challenging times marked by the heart-wrenching struggles of soldiers being killed and a nation in mourning. We have to turn to Maisa Avasim Labanim. We have to turn to the way our forefathers, our ancestors have dealt with these type of situations. Our Avas, our forefathers somehow persevered through the uncertainties of the Midbar and they navigated without knowing how they would sustain themselves on a daily basis. And not only that, but when the month did come and there were extra, they were prohibited to take but nevertheless, they relied on unwavering bitachon and ultimately reached the promised land with that bitachon, with that resilience and resolve. And perhaps we can apply it to our situation as well, where we don't have any answers, we don't know. And sometimes we question, how are we going to make it through the day? We just heard such atrocities, such terrible news. We can't wrap our heads around it. We're ridden with questions of what, why, how can it be? We know those questions, we feel those questions. We ask those questions, but unfortunately we know there's really no answers. We're living in Golas, we're living in darkness, in Choshech. We're living in a current Makas Choshech. We don't have the revelation of the Urm Vitum, and we don't have a Navi telling us what Hashem wants. All we have, all we're left with, 
is our Shval Ruach, our crushed spirit, and it's treacherous and bleak as these times are. And while there are no answers, and there is no one that can pinpoint the exact issue and tell us what's needed to redeem us and to get us out of this situation, to save us from our oppressors, one thing is for sure, that somehow, somewhere, there is a gold lining in this tapestry of blackness. There is the hidden hand, of course. And while it's so painful, hard, and seemingly impossible to realize and to access that, and to believe in it, but this is Yiddishkeit, and not to take away in the slightest from the pain of others from these grieving, mourning families, and our pain. But the only thing we have is a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We have no one to lean on. That's all we have, and that's all that's going to get us through this. And like our Ovis that traversed the Midbar, we too traversing our own Midbar of Chayshech, of eeriness, of darkness, of finster, of uncertainty, of atrocities, trudging through, not knowing how to get through today, not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. The only answer is, like Chalai Saul's approach to the Mon, so to us, take it one step at a time, one day at a time, one sign at a time, and hopefully when we channel everything to Kaddish Baruch Hu and just say Hashem, I give up, you're ultimately going to provide, you're ultimately doing the best. Like Klai Saul then was to reach Eretz Yisrael, the promised land. May Hashem see how much we're trying, how much pain we're going through, and redeem us from this terrible gullus, and bring us too to our promised land, to Eretz HaKadosh, with the Binyam Ba'is Shlishi, Bimher Vimeinu Amen. I thank each and every one of you for listening. I wish you all a wonderful Lichtig Shabbos.